Would you open your Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians? We looked at this in a little deep, deeper detail in our Bible study. Two things that every child of God desires more than anything else. Relief. Relief from the guilt of sin. In the chapters 6 and 7 of the book of Romans, Paul goes throughout telling about the wonders and the beauties of God's law. In chapter 7, he spends great detail and calls himself the chiefs of sinners, as a matter of fact, where he says he tries, he knows the good things to do, and he knows the bad things to do, and he knows that he does the good things, or the bad things, and he doesn't do the good things. What a wretch I am, he says, and this is every child of God, every one of us. We all know the wretch that we are in this flesh. We all know that the troubles that we deal with in the sin of our flesh. To be relieved of that guilt of sin is why we come to church on Sunday mornings. We didn't come to God's Word and spend our time in God's Word. That sin, that guilt of that sin would build up. At least it would in me. We go on trips at times. James was telling me one time he was gone for like three or four weeks. He says, man, I, can't, I just couldn't wait to get back. I've been out in the world too much. I've been surrounded by the things that go on in the world around me, and I forget. We tend to forget, do we not? Isn't that what we come to this table for? To remember? Didn't God himself institute that ordinance so that we would remember to be relieved of the guilt of our sin? In the letter to the saints of Rome, Paul states in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. As one who has been convicted of my own standing before God, I have trouble seeing myself in that light. How can, how can I think about that guy who just cut me off on the freeway the way I do? How can I think about him? when I'm supposed to be a forgiving man? How can I think about something a member of my family has done against my family, my children? How can I be forgiving to that one who did something to my children or me? How can I think of them without forgiveness when my Lord has forgiven me of all that I have done? I don't see myself very well in that standing before God. I have trouble seeing myself in this light. David, king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, a man who trusted God so much that he went up against a giant of a man. His strength, his trust in God was so strong at that moment. Now we know that, God, that all of mankind have weaknesses throughout their life. David wasn't strong all the time. Abraham didn't have the strength that we saw when he took his son to the mount. To be, he didn't have that strength all the time. He doubted God it too. All of men have doubts. We all do. Because our sin is always before us. That's what David said. My sin is always before me. When I look into a mirror, I see myself. I always see the weakness of my flesh that is reflected therein. In Galatians 5.17, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. Verse 17 of chapter 5, Paul writes, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, 
so that they cannot do the thing that they would. How can I call myself a child of God when I do what I should not, and even more, when I don't do what I should? It's a war going on. It's the war that will go on from now until the day the Lord takes us out of this world. And I can tell you this, speaking from those who have lived it for a long time, our brother Mike Gloves, our brother Gene Harmon, and many others of our elders who have already gone on to be with the Lord have shared with us, many a times it never gets any better. We will struggle with it. We will struggle with the flesh till the day we leave this world. But we have one who has already conquered everything for us. We have a mediator who makes intercession right now for every time we fail. His name is Christ Jesus the Lord. Yes, he became flesh. God humbled himself and provided himself a servant for you and I. He provided himself a servant who would fulfill everything that is needed for you and I to be with him for an eternity. Why did he fulfill everything that's needed? Because we can't. I'm talking about this in Bible study. I have a great want. I want to live like I should. I want to walk according to God's world, uh, way, according to his instructions. I want, but I don't. Because my flesh is weak. Yours may be strong. You may think, oh, I can. I, I do just fine. I feed the poor. I do this. I do that. I do all this, folks. I'll tell you what. You're missing out on grace if you think it is you. Grace is unmerited favor. Something that we can't earn. Something that we can't purchase. Something we can't do something about and say, okay, I've earned. God needs to be gracious to me because I've done this. There's a war going on inside, and it's that want and do. I want to turn from the things of the flesh, but oh, how often I do not. And as I see through the, throughout the Word of God, it will not get any easier. So I cry out, Lord, what shall I do? There we go. You realize that that's the flesh also? Lord, what shall I do? That's the flesh crying out. What shall I do? What, what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to walk more uprightly? I know what to do. I pointed this out one time. You youngins over here, you know the difference between right and wrong. You know it. When you do something wrong, you know you did it wrong, didn't you? Mom and Dad usually got to give you a look, but that's, that's really not what proves it. But prove it. You know in your heart what you did wrong. We all know what's right and wrong. We know how to walk. If it wasn't for God's restraining hand, men would not care what's right and what's wrong. Look at our government today. Look at the world around us today. What is it? They don't care what's right and wrong. They know what's right and wrong. They just don't care. They have no fear of God. They have no fear of judgment. They don't know who God is. What shall I do? I'm going to tell you, the flesh is flesh. It doesn't get any better. The nature of our flesh is sin. The truths of God are enmity against us. It's enmity against my flesh. In my flesh there is no good thing. That's what Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 7, or chapter 7. Uh, I'm not sure which verse it is. 
Yet God gives a declaration. There is a declaration with God, and He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How can this be to a sinner? How can there be no condemnation to one who sins and sins and sins and sins? Look over at verse 21 and 22 of Colossians chapter 1. And you, it says, speaking to God's people. Did you know that this is a letter not to the world? This is not a letter to the world. The, Lord, the world will not hear what God has written in His letters. They won't hear it. He says, you hear not because you're not my children. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Verse 21, and you, you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. How can it be that there is no condemnation to this sinner who stands before you? This person, who at one time was alienated an enemy in the mind of my own wicked works, yet now my Lord hath reconciled unto Himself in the body of His flesh through death, how can, I, how can there be no condemnation for me in the body of his flesh through death? He presents me. He presents you. He presents every child that belongs to him. He says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That means nobody will be left behind. Did you catch that? Nobody will be left behind. Not one person for whom Christ died on that cross will be left behind. They got some kind of show out there. It's called Left Behind. I don't know much about it, but I can just imagine what it's about. It's about those who may be left behind in the, in the Reformation or in the, the, the rap, Rapture or whatever it might be like that. None of God's people will be left behind. He shed His own blood for His people. Why would He leave anybody behind? Everyone for whom His blood was shed, the perfect blood of God, shall come to Him, is what it says. My sheep hear My voice. Not maybe, not might, they do. We hear the truth of whose, whose word this is of. It's of Jesus Christ, God Almighty in the flesh. The word is about what He has done. He shed His blood for us. He gave Himself for us. If God gave Himself for you, why would He not give you everything? Isn't that what it says in Romans chapter 8? He spared not His own Son, but gave Him up for His people. How shall He not give us all things? All things are ours. All of creation was for His people. So that the day in His love, He would come to each and every one of us that belong to Him and say, You're mine. You belong to me. I bought you paid for you with my own blood. How can it be for this poor sinner? My title this morning's message is Unreprovable in His Sight. I am unreprovable in my Lord's sight. Why? Because my Lord took all of my condemnation and all of your condemnation upon Himself. 
Isn't that good news? When you go down the freeway next time, or let's say you're driving down the road and you hit another red light, and you say, Ow, got it! Another red light! Do you know that's cursing God? He's the one who's in control of red lights, too. Oh, I smashed my thumb! Ow, got it! God controls that hammer in your hand just as much as He does every speck of dust that floats in the air. That's the God of Scriptures. People want to talk about the God of this world that, that controls pretty much most of everything, but He's left some of it up to others, up to the people. That's not the God of Scriptures. In the Old Testament, the word is this, Lord, turn me, and I will be turned. He says, my word goes out, and it doesn't go out void. I purposed it, and it will be done. I am unreprovable in his sight. And the word unreprovable means just simply this. It means blameless by implication. We are blameless in his sight. Mark your spot there in Colossians. We'll come back in just a moment. But I want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. We are unreprovable. We are blameless by implication. What that means is that we still do things to be blamed for. But Christ Jesus was made a curse and took our blame upon Himself. We are blameless because God cannot blame twice. He has put all of our blame, all of our iniquities upon His Son, and He cannot charge us twice for what He has already charged us in His Son, the Lord Jesus. We are blameless in His sight. Look at verse 22 through 27 of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Wives... Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, you know, some wives want to get a little upset about that. Let's say you're a strong Italian Irish woman. That doesn't sit well. What do you mean, submit myself to my husband? I run this house. I do this. But we need to submit. He's telling us, submit ourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You submit yourself unto him as Lord Almighty, you submit to your husband. Then 23 it says, For the husband is the head of thy wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, you think that you, the wives, they'll get caught up on that first part there, and they won't see this next part. It says, Husband, verse 25, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Do you know how Christ loved the church? He gave himself for us, didn't he? How did Christ love the church? What we could not do, you know, we're the church. This is not the church, this building. This is the church house. This is where God's church comes together and meets two or three times a week. We come together here to worship our Lord. We are the church of God. We are the called out, the congregation of God. What did he do for the church? He gave himself for us. And then what we couldn't do of our own, he did it for us. And then when we couldn't even come to him because we were dead in trespasses and sin, he gave us life. He called us out of the dead grave that we were all in before the Lord called us out of the dead grave that we were all born into as sinners, dead, sin, trespasses and sin. 
Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify. That means make holy. That means set apart and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's what the, that's what the word of God is. It's what water. It's water that goes out into the world. That stone that followed around Israel as they were out in the wilderness, I don't know how that happened. I'm sure it had to be some kind of a miracle. People want to say, oh, you know, God does everything kind of in a practical way. You know what? Being made sin, perfect one who had never sinned, being made sin, that's a miracle. Calling one who is dead and trespasses in sin spiritually, who has no life in them, to life, that's a miracle. That he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. What we see here is God declaring his church. He is called out to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made holy from the world. And he presents his church to himself without blemish, washed of the water of the word. Now remember the man who had leprosy? You remember the story? of him? He had leprosy. And one of the prophets came to him and said, go down and wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And he what do you mean? We've got, we've got cleaner rivers up where I'm from than that Jordan. That's a dirty river. I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. And then the prophet came back to him and says, well, if, if God had required something small of you, would you have not done it? And he went down and washed himself in the water of the Jordan as commanded by God, and he was cleansed. There was no other, that was a picture, a picture of being washed in Christ Jesus in the water of his word. The Lord who washes us in the water of his word. We are presented holy, having no spot, no wrinkle, because of his mercy and his grace, which he bestows upon his sheep. But how can that be, you might ask? How can it be if I were to turn away from sins, maybe? Would that do? If I were just to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. I'm not going to get angry anymore. I'm not going to lie anymore about my taxes. I'm not, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do this. Could that be it? No. it? What about if I start doing things that would please God? What if, I, what if I start going to church every Sunday? Is that good enough? What if I get in the waters of baptism? Is that, will that do? Will that do? Could it be if I were baptized that I could be washed as white as my Savior? Or could it be if I was to make a decision? What if I was to decide today, you know, I'm, today's the day I'm going to follow the Lord from here on out. That's all there is to it. I'll do it. You know, there are those who do that. There are those who start following the Lord today, and that's the day of their salvation. I've decided I'm not going to do what I was doing before. It was stupid. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to be smart could that be it? Well, I can tell you this on the authority of God. No, no, and no. Look back in our text. Look back at our text at verse 23, Colossians chapter 1. Could it be one of those things? No. Verse 23, what does it say next? If ye continue in the 
faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away, moved away from the hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? Christ Jesus. Faith in him. John 3.16 says this, whosoever believeth. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This faith is a gift from God, not of works, lest man should, be, should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in Romans 19, we read these words, so then it is not of him that willeth. You know what that is? It means it wasn't your decision. If we were left to our own decision, if we were left to our own nature, we know as children of God now, we know that we would follow our nature, the nature of sin. We know we wouldn't follow him. If it wasn't for his will, I'd be running after my own, which is down the street doing whatever I was doing before. That's exactly what our will would do. It is not of him that willeth. That's what that means. It is not of him that runneth. That means working for it. That means trying to earn it. But of God that showeth mercy. Now turn over to the third chapter of John, if you would. John chapter 3. We hear over and over again that if you will just receive Christ as your Savior, you too can be saved. If you will just come down to the front and pray this prayer, if you do this, if you do that, you too can be saved. On the authority of God's word, I tell you that dead people can do nothing. Lazarus was dead. I was dead. You were dead until God came to us and gave us life. When he said to Lazarus, come forth, remember Lazarus was in the, the picture of Lazarus is here that he is dead. He is stinking dead. That's each and every one of us before God calls us out of darkness. I'm magnifying the grace of God and not leaving us to ourselves. But coming to us when we're in that condition and giving us life. Dead people can't do anything. We come into the world spiritually dead, dead in trespasses and sin, corrupt from the top of our heads all the way to the bottom of our toes, covered in sores, open boils. The Bible speaks over and over again of lepers. You know what that is? That's sin. It's not just a leprosy in the arm. It's a leprosy through the whole body. Leprosy is in the blood. You may see a spot of it here and a spot over here, but that's because it's in your blood all the way through you. That's the way sin is. That's what sin is to us. We won't come to the light. Look at verses 17 through 20 of John chapter 3. Chapter 3. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now we know that when it's speaking of this world, the world through him is the though all of his chosen people throughout all time, throughout all of the world, He's not talking about all of mankind. You say, well, how do you know that? Because he says over in chapter 17, I pray not for the world. I pray for those that thou hast given me, is what he says. So when we see here, he's talking about the world, his saved ones, those that will come into this world throughout time that belong to him. Verse 18, he that believeth on him. Now remember what we mentioned a minute ago. Faith is a gift of God. It's not something we can just conjure up. 
He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, but lest his deeds should be reproved. We won't come to the light, folks. We don't come to the light because the light shows the evilness of these. And nobody wants to think of themselves that way. We don't want to think of ourselves that way, do we? But I am. And so are you. And so is your grandmother. And so is your mother. And so is your baby. Every single one of us are. That's God's word, folks. That's his word. There are none good. No, not one. Oh, but that little baby's so cute. Oh, grandma, don't you talk about grandma that way. She's the sweetest thing to ever walk this earth. If she's without God, if she's without God, then she's not in heaven, I can tell you that. We won't come to the light, for it shines and it reproves the sin that is in each and every one of us. So how is it that I am made clean? Look again, if you would, over Colossians, this time at chapter 1. There is only one light of the world, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Only one light. Our Lord says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. By his stripes we are healed. His elect, that is. For as God in the flesh, when he shed his blood, it was effectual. If he had wanted to save the whole world, he most definitely would. There are those, you know, according to God's word, if he'd have just used the word come forth, when he spoke to Lazarus, if he hadn't said Lazarus' name, every grave would have opened up and the whole entire world would have got up and got out of the grave. That's the power of God. That's the power it took to say to Lazarus, come forth, have life, come forth to me. You know how I know that that's so powerful? Because Lazarus came forth and he was bound in his grave clothes. Read it. Read it for yourself. He had to tell somebody to come over and cut him loose, to loose his grave clothes off of him. Our Lord chose a particular people to be the recipients of his love. In the day of his power, he comes to his chosen by his spirit. He circumcises the heart, the old stony heart that we're all born with, and he gives us a new heart, a heart that is willing, a heart that loves him because he first loved us. He gives us new eyes. He gives us new ears ears and eyes to see his word for the first time you're right that's me I see the depth of my depravity I see the strength of my Lord in calling me out of darkness choosing me when I wouldn't choose him you're right his word is true I see the truth in his word we're given new eyes to see that. We're given new ears to hear a man who said of God to preach the gospel. To preach about Him and what He's done for us. That's the wonder of His Word. What He's done for us. The grace of God in loving His people. Oh, consider that. There's no condemnation. There's no reason for you to be guilty anymore. Christ has took it all upon himself. 
Because He laid down His life, because He was made sin, because He shed His own blood, because God provided Himself a sacrifice for His people, we are made clean in Him. Is that not what God's Word tells us? Does He tell us we're made clean by going out and acting right, by doing this, by doing that? No, we should. We should. And we want. We want to. But thank God that Christ has done it all. All for me. All for you. Can we know, can we who know our deserving word not wonder and be amazed at the love of Christ, at the love of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus? As we walk this path the Lord has laid out, can we not see the greatness of His grace towards us? This is the love of God, that He spared not His only begotten Son, but delivered Him up for us. How shall He not give us all things? Is it not a most honorable thing when we see the story about one who gave their life for another? Do we not shed a tear maybe for the one who, who is treated in the most terrible way so that another might go in peace? Do we not consider those our heroes? You can't have a better hero than Christ Jesus the Lord. Everything He did was perfect. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Colossians chapter 1. In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This one who has redeemed us through His blood, who is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of every creature. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. We are made unreprovable in His sight because God the Father sees the blood of the Lamb, the spotless Lamb of God, the Lamb that was seen slain, seen as slain before the world was. The blood of His Holy Son is what He sees. I began this message by declaring the difficulty of looking past oneself, looking to what Christ has done, the difficulty that will go on way until all the Spirit puts, away, puts off His flesh, a battle that will continue until the Lord of glory calls us home. So how can I fight this fight? How can I fight the fight, the good fight? Well, there's a lot of instruction in God's Word on what to do. But there's only one way to win the fight, and that is to turn to Christ. Turn to Him. He who has done it all for us. He has fought the battle for us, and He has won the victory. Look with me, if you would, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Did you notice, remember what I said a moment ago, how are we going to fight that fight? Look to Christ. What does it say here? Finally, my brother, be strong in Him. Stop looking in the mirror. I know that's hard. Because I get up every day and have to do that too. Turn to Him. Turn to our Savior. He's our strength. When you've come to realize, when God has given you the revelation that He has done it all, and what He has done is perfect, you can turn to Him and know that it's all done. It makes turning to Him easier and easier as every day goes by. I get weaker and weaker by the moment, but my Lord, His strength never goes away. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not in what you do. Not in what you've done. Put on the whole armor of God, it says in verse 11, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
That devil goes about roaring, folks, like a lion. That's what he does. He roars like a lion. Did you know, and I think I've shared with you this a couple of times, a lion, when they're roaring, they're not hunting. No. Prey knows they're, they're coming if they're roaring, right? They're just going around out there acting big and all tough and stuff. That's what, that's what the devil is. The devil can't do anything that God does not allow him to do. Read the book of Job. Nothing that he could do to the Job at that time. Everything he had to do, he had to have, have permission from God to do it. Put on the whole armor of God. Fight off the roaring lion. But all he can do is roar. He's, dog, he's God's devil and he's on a leash. Look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh. Did you catch that? We wrestle it not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, powers of self-sin, self the spirit of sin, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is within our hearts. That's where our most high places are. Pride. Where does pride come from? It comes from the heart. It's part of what's in me. How am I going to battle that? How am I going to battle the pride? How am I going to battle what I consider my own will, my own lust? We fight the battle within. There is hope. In our weakness, God is made strong. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil of the day, and having done all to stand. Our Savior is our armor. As we look unto Him, He fights the war for us. We see that He's already accomplished it all. He's not just accomplished it, He's accomplished it perfectly. Verse 14, Stand therefore having your loin girded about with what? With truth. With truth. God did not die for the whole world. He died for you. He died for His people. That's the truth. I know we want... We want our loved ones to be saved, don't we? We want them to be saved so badly. But the fact of the matter is that some just won't be. The fact of the matter is, by God's grace, we have been. By His grace. Stand about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, not yours. You've got none, but His. His breastplate. His righteousness. Wrap the truth of God's Word around your loins. Cover yourselves in the truths of Scripture, the truths of who Christ is, the truths of what Christ has done for His people, and the truths of where He is right now, sitting on His throne, working all things out according to His counsel. And put on the breastplate of His righteousness, for there is none that we could wear of our own. We have no righteousness other than His to claim. Verse 6, verse 15, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel by peace of peace be prepared in season and out of season to share this good news of a savior sent of god to redeem to redeem a people unto himself be ready to share with the people the good news that a savior savior who has loved this people from before the world was that's the truth that's God's world. He, word. he has loved them before the world was. This Savior, who is named Jesus, for He shall save His people. Verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye, have, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith. I don't 
know everything of God's Word, but I believe it. And if God says that all of His chosen blood-bought children shall come to Him, I believe it. That's my hope for my loved ones that still walk in darkness. If they belong to Him, they cannot go through that door marked death until God has called them out. The gift of faith, God's gift to those who He gave to His Son, when they have trials, when the trials are rolling over our heads, the shield of faith will bring us through. I know it's tough. I know there's pain. But I also know my Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes it looks like that trial is never going to quit, does it? Is it ever going to quit, Lord? Am I ever going to have peace? Am I ever going to have comfort and safety? You will in Him. You will in Him. Verse 17 we read and it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. We can always turn to the Word to see the promises of God our Lord has given, and the Word is what strengthens our faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we read this, So then, by, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Are you struggling with weakness today? Turn to Christ. Do you feel unreprovable due to some weakness in the flesh or mind? Turn to the Word of God. I have recently witnessed a dear, dear person was sharing with me a trouble that they were dealing with in the family. A trouble that almost brought this person to what they thought was death. And the way that person got through that trouble was turning off the world and looking into God's Word. What a blessing it was for me to see my Lord working through His Word to help one of His people get through it. Turning to His Word. You got something going on in your life that's troubling you deep? Turn to Christ. How often do you go home and pick this up? How often? I remember a time when I didn't have to study. I remember a time before the Lord put me in this position where I would go to church on Sunday I would hear wonderful messages. I would go home and I would just do my thing. And this would sit on the seat of my car or on the table where I walked in the door. I look back now and I see the blessings I missed going through trials and not going to my Lord's Word. Don't miss out on the blessings. Don't look back and say, oh, I wished I had. Take your trials to the Lord now. Take what you are troubled with today to our Lord now. Remember the crazy guy? Lived in the tombs. Wild and crazy guy. He was so crazy people couldn't even bind him with chains. He would break the chains. He ran around the tombs naked, screaming and cutting himself and all that stuff. Where was he at the end of that story? He was at the feet of Jesus. Come to the feet of Jesus. Come to His Word. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ and ye shall find Him in His Word. And when He has brought you through the stormy seas, we thank and praise Him for showing us once again our need of Him. I couldn't do it on my own. Thank you, Lord, for bringing my, me to my knees and showing me that I need you. 
If we are unreprovable in His sight, it is because He has made us so by hiding our souls in the cleft of the rock as we, as we sang that song. The rock of our salvation. The Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen.